0: I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what the Bible says about Christmas. So thank you, Jesus, that we could meet together this morning. Lord, I'm just enthused to be here with family, spiritual family, uh, and as we, again, just turn the corner into a Christmas season, Lord. And of course, I think every year we sort of realize, oh, there's all these things that kind of come onto our shoulders and shopping and relationships and family and parties and food and decorations, all this stuff, Lord. And just as we do every year, Lord, we want to cut through it and get to the heart of worshiping you. And so we thank you right here this morning as we as we head into the Christmas season, Lord, we want to thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, and I trust today as we look at just a, one passage of, of scripture about Jesus, that you're going to give something into each one of our hearts that we can take with us as we walk into the season and beyond, some way that we can worship you in wisdom. And I trust I have something to learn this morning as well. Thank you for how you provide for us, how you love for us. Uh, We lift up the time to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so you can see here, we're starting this series. It's kind of a series. Calling this a series is pretty loose. Uh, it's just a theme. We saw his star. So, I'm sharing today and next week. Brad will be here. Uh, then Rich will be here the week after that. And then I think, I don't know if it was said earlier, but you can't say it too much. December 18th, we're having a worship gathering right here. Are we going to have it here or in there or here? Right here, it's kind of, we've done Christmas programs in the past, but this is going to be a Christmas worship gathering. And so, our normal service will be just a little bit different. A lot more singing, a lot more worship of Christ in in some ways. So, make plans to be here for that. Again, that's December 18th. And then December 25th is a Sunday, which is Christmas Day. There will be no service that morning. Instead, we do a Christmas Eve service. It's at 5 o'clock in the evening on December 24th. So please join us for that. And then as Brad mentioned, there will be no service on January 1st. As I know a number of us, I think there's over 70 of us from our church who are going to be at Faith Walkers. And any of the rest of you who aren't in that, you should get signed up and join us because it's going to be awesome. So that being said, I'm going to share a little bit about, we kind of just said, hey guys, just talk something about Christmas. You also need a little release. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the Magi, the wise men. As you can see, the title here is Wisdom and Worship of Wise Men. It doesn't mean worshiping the wise men, it's the worship they had. So, we're going to talk about that. And so, to start off, I just want to read the passage, a passage on, oops, there we are, on these guys. This is from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time a King Herod Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet To their country by another route. So that's Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, if you're like me and you've grown up around Christmas, I think pretty much all of us have, you're like, I feel like there's part of the story missing here. And if you've ever been tempted to like flip over to Mark or Luke or John and look for the rest of the story, you figure out pretty quick, this is the only place. We get any scripture that tells us about these guys in this story. I go, God, there's things missing. And so I thought maybe to clear this up, we would start and look at the wise men and what they were not. What they were not that you might think they were. I think this will be fun. So they were not a group of only three men. Okay. I suppose they could have been three men, but they were not three men. See, When I was growing up, my parents had an 8-track player. And every Christmas, they didn't listen to a lot of music, but every Christmas they would pull out the big 8-track cassette thing that was Christmas music and just ka-chunk and stick it in there. And we three kings. That was the song we would hear. Well, they weren't kings, and they probably weren't three. Now, why do we say there's three? Because three gifts are listed, right? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But were those the only gifts? We don't know right? It probably wasn't just three guys. They weren't that. That's just a tradition. It looks good in paintings. It would be hard to have like 50 or 100 guys set up in your nativity scene. Here were the 50 wise men who showed up, right? So that's something they were not. Something else they were not. Apparently somewhere along the line, some people came up with names. Casper, Balthazar, and Melchior. We don't have any record there in the scripture that those are the guys. In fact, there's been all these sort of legends that have developed around them and Ideas that, this is the sons of Noah, and none of that's there, right? just says magi. What else? Well, wait a second, are they camel riders? Well, you might think they didn't have aircraft then, so long distance travel across a desert would be camels. But as it turns out, if these guys were Persians, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but if they were Persians, Persian nobles actually rode horses, not Camels. So, were there camels or were there not? I don't know. Again, it looks good. Nativity scene. But you know what? There weren't any singing camels (laughs) like there was here. You guys guys love this, the claymation Christmas from from the 80s? Yeah, it's my childhood. What else were they not? They were not present at the stable. Now, again, somehow it made it into the story. and Maybe it balances it. You get shepherds on one side. And if you don't have wise men to put on the other side, it's kind of out of balance or something. But they weren't there. See, Matthew doesn't even record the story of Jesus' birth. Right? It talks about Joseph and his dream, and then we go right into the story of the Magi. The story about Jesus' birth is in Luke, so it's in a whole different author. Matthew doesn't even connect the things. And if you look at the scripture there that we said, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem. After. And then we see further on, Herod gets upset and he says, I'm going to, I got to kill this guy. And so he kills children two and under. Well, if our birth had just happened, he wouldn't have done that. He would have said one and under or six months and under. He says two years. So clearly there's some period of time that has elapsed here. So they just weren't there. I know it looks good and paintings like this, but that's not what happened. And then of course, they were not accompanied by the little drummer boy. I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. That's a, it's a song. It's kind of fun. get a little drum, it's kind of fun to beat on or whatever. But there was no little drummer boy there. Sorry. So anyway, <clears throat> at some point, we would conclude that the, the number of wise men, their names, the way they got there, is not really material to the story. So what is? Well, what do we know? What they were what the Magi were that we can't know from the Bible. Well, here's a few things that we can know. One of them is they were from the east. That would mean east of Palestine, east of Israel. Now, this phrase in the Greek literally means they were from the rising sun or from the Orient. Now, in those times, that didn't mean China. That didn't mean India. It meant Persia. So they said they were from the east. Everyone sort of generally understood, oh, that means from Persia. So these guys were not Jews. They were not from Israel. They came from somewhere else. They came from Persia. Now, we also see they were Magi. What is this word? Well, in New Testament times, it was understood that the Magi were a priestly class of people from Persia. Persia. From the same word, magi, we get the word magician and so forth. It's sort of a derivative. But what does it mean? It it, it means they were advisors. They were wise. They were like magicians in that sort of traditional sense. But they were were guys who were very wise and smart and and looked at a lot of different things. Well, we see them elsewhere in the Bible, actually. And the place that we see them is in Daniel. We see Daniel. Daniel, the first of them, is the wise men of Babylon. Now, you may remember the story from Daniel chapter 2 is that Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king, the emperor of Babylon, he has this dream. And so he calls his wise men, his magi, to him and says, tell me what my dream meant. Now, you're like, we can do that. Tell us what your dream was. And he goes, I thought you were the wise, the magi, the wise guys. You tell me. What my dream was. And you tell me what it meant. And if you can't do that, I'm going to kill you. Kind of had a temper, I guess, right? So that was the deal. And so they were like, what are we going to do? And so this is the whole class of people. And he was like going to wipe out this magi class of people. And so remember the story. Daniel has been sort of included with these guys. And he and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they're sort of all together. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego go back and they pray. And ask God to reveal it to him. And God reveals the dream to Daniel and the meaning. And Daniel goes back and he presents this and gives glory to God and says, I can't tell you, but God can tell you. And here's what it, me- here's what it is and here's what it means. And Nebuchadnezzar withholds his judgment on the Magi and saves this entire class of people. And so there they are. So they show up. So we're going to talk about why that's important. And so we know these magi were also, we know from history, they were individuals who watched the night sky. Now we know that from the story, they looked up and they saw the star. Well, it wasn't just by chance they happened to look up in the sky and see the star. They actually were guys who were astronomers. And they counted the years and the days and the seasons by watching the stars and watching what was going on. You see it there in Matthew chapter 2. It says, we saw his star when it rose. They watched it happen they were aware now today we don't really have that right today we have computer models and the internet you can go to these things and you can like go forward in time and you can go backwards in time and you can see what the sky is going to look like and whatever right we go and we go what do we do all of us sort of lay people who aren't in astronomy we go oh the internet tells me there's going to be a supermoon and we go look at the supermoon right they didn't have that they had these guys they were the astronomers and what they did is they went out at night and they looked at the stars So that's what they were doing. But in addition to that, they were individuals who worshipped God. They said, we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. They weren't just sort of passively or intellectually, oh yeah, I worship God, the God of the heavens, I worship him. They packed up their stuff and went thousands of miles. I was going to get a map, I couldn't find a good one, but it's a long way from Persia to Jerusalem. And they did it. Why? It says right there, to worship him, to worship God. Why were they so intent on doing that? Well, I think we can trace it back to Daniel. Here was Daniel, a Jew who feared God, and he saved them. You know, if somebody did that for me and my family, I would probably listen very intently to what they said and pass it on to my children, tell my children to pass it on to their children, and so on and so forth. Okay, so we talk about those Magi, and we say they're wise. Oh yeah, the wise men. Well, why were they wise? What made these guys wise? Well, first I think we've got to think a little bit about what wisdom is. And I really think, this this could be a whole other message. We're talking about wisdom. Wisdom is really just the synthesis of knowledge. See, Scripture really refers to wisdom and understanding and knowledge, and refers to them differently. And I think each one has a different meaning. Here we see in Exodus 35... He puts all of them together, talking about this guy. God has filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all kinds of skills. See, if those were all sort of the same thing, he wouldn't repeat it, but they're different things. And so what are those things? Well, I think we can look at um, other scriptures from Proverbs can tell us. Knowledge, the heart of discerning acquires knowledge, for the ears of the wise seek it out. See, knowledge is, is really... Facts and and figures and information, which is all a very valuable tool that we have. But then to go beyond that, Proverbs 4, listen, my son, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. Understanding is being able to take that knowledge and apply it. Apply it to your common everyday situations and walk that out. But there's another level, Proverbs 4, 6, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. See, wisdom is something else. do just get by practice. It's really the synthesis of taking that knowledge and that understanding and being able to apply it in difficult and unique and challenging situations. So if we understand wisdom is that, we see that the Magi are doing just that in the story. Right? And so they are wise because, not just in sort of a human way, but in a spiritual way, they're wise because they are attuned to the scripture well how so well if they had known Daniel and I believe they did if these guys had known Daniel and they pass it on on down the line here they would have had the Jewish scriptures they would have passed the Jewish scriptures along well what did those things say they would clue them in well here's one Isaiah 7:14 this is a prophecy therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So see, I think even from this verse, if you understood nothing else from this verse, you would say the promised one who God is going to send is going to show up and he's not just going to be like a magical being who appears in adult form. He's not going to crawl out of a cave somewhere. He's going to be born. And he's going to be born in a very special way. Right, Another verse, Jeremiah 23, 5. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Right? So these, these Magi, they knew this was coming and they, they didn't go to Rome, they didn't go to Babylon, they didn't go to Cairo, they didn't go somewhere else. They went to Jerusalem because they knew this was going to happen and it would be in the land Of the Jews. This promised one would come from the line of David. A king. Where's the king going to be? The seat of government in the land. That's why they went to Jerusalem. So they're attuned to the scriptures here. But then there's another one I think is very interesting. And again if they had known Daniel. And passed it on down the line. They would have known this. Daniel said, No one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. Now, there's some confusing language here, but this is a very clear prophecy. It's one of the clearest prophecies there is in the Old Testament. Daniel is saying, From the time the king says, Go back and you can build Jerusalem until the time the Messiah shows up is going to be... A certain period of time. Well, what is that? So what is sevens? Sevens are a period of seven years. That was understood in that time. That seven years, the Jewish cycle and the calendar and Jubilee and all these things sort of goes on a seven year cycle. So you knew it was seven years. So you do the math on that, and it turns into four hundred and eighty-three years, which in the Hebrew calendar turns into one hundred and seventy-three thousand eight hundred and eighty days. You go, well, that's like a pretty big window. Well, that decree was given on a very specific date. It was March 4th, our equivalent of March 4th, 445 B.C. So you count that out and you go, wow, the fulfillment of this is going to be in the spring of A.D. 32. Now, of course, they didn't have A.D. yet, but they knew it would be sort of at that time. And the, the importance of that is this that an adult king, right, they knew he was going to be born. He wasn't just going to show up. An adult king who would fulfill the prophecy would be born probably 20 to 40 years before the date of fulfillment. And so when that window started to show up, what did these wise men start to do? These magi? They started really checking the sky probably, right? Hmm, something's going to happen. Is there's a sign? Well, how do they know it's a sign? Well, we'll talk about that. If all of this was true, and I believe it was, and it was passed on to them from Daniel and on down the line over 440 years or whatever, they would have been on the lookout. And they would have been connecting Scripture to their observation. They connected what they knew from Scripture to what they saw in the sky, right? They said, we saw his star. Somehow they knew this star was his. Well, how did they know it? And what was the star? Well, they probably knew this generally, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens are a place where we can look to see the glory of God, and they can speak to that what to us that way. But there's a more specific prophecy from the book of Numbers. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Now, this is a prophecy given by Balaam. Yep, the same guy whose donkey spoke, and he was not a Jew, and very interesting story. I won't go into it, but he gave this prophecy and said, a star come out of Jacob. And so there was a clue for these wise men. So then you can begin to ask the question, well, was it an actual star or not? Well, these guys probably were like, oh, we look at the sky, so we're going to watch for a star. And then they saw something. Well, what was it? I don't know. If you go, you can go down many deep rabbit holes and try to figure out all the different opinions about what was the star and when was it. At some point, we don't really know. But I would say this. If the Bible says it was a star, I would tend to think it was a star. Not a ghost or not the Spirit of God moving around in the light or something. I would believe it probably was something in the star. And at some point, if God created the universe and God created the stars... One of the theories is it's a supernova. Well, a supernova would have had to happen sometime in the f- past so that the light would show up at Earth. God can do that. Amen? I like that theory. I really would think, yes, it is a star. Was it an actual star? I think it probably was. I think that being a supernova, that makes a lot of sense. But regardless, they acted upon what they saw They didn't say, oh, that's nice. They acted upon it. They watched for 440 years, and they passed it on to their children. They watched, and then they saw it, and they knew the prophecies. And guess what? They assumed the people of Israel would have been doing the same thing, probably to a greater degree, right? Have you ever had that happen? Like, you get sick, and you're like, i got to figure out what's going on, or you got an injury or something like that, and so you go to, like, WebMD, and you like, research it all out, you do all this stuff, and then you go to the doctor, and you show up to the doctor, and the doctor's like, well, you've already got yourself diagnosed. Have you ever had that happen? Or you're doing like a project, and you like go to like, Ikea, or Home Depot, and you start asking the person there like, all these sort of technical questions, and they're like, I don't know, I just work here. <laughs> but you kind of get the sense that that's what's happening in this story, is that these guys show up, and they're like, where is the king of the Jews? And Herod is like, uh, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> they would show up and they're like, these are the people who are going to know what's happening. And these people have no clue. He just goes back and asks these guys, is like, um, the Messiah, where is he supposed to be born? Right? And they answer the question. And so I think there's a contrast here for us to catch. That there's a difference between wisdom and being asleep at the wheel. I think Brad even alluded to that, that sometimes we as people, we as Christians can be asleep at the wheel. We have an opportunity, a season here where we can worship Christ and yet we can be asleep. So what can we learn from these guys? I, I just think all of this is interesting information, but what can we really learn? What can we take away from looking at these wise men? Well, I can think of a couple things. There would be a lot of things. We could have a lot of other messages on this, but here's a couple things. One, you don't have to be near to God to be drawn to him. There's a verse in Ephesians, chapter 2, talking about Jesus. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And so I think as we head into this holiday season and we're thinking about Christmas and we're thinking about the gospel and we're thinking about good news and we're maybe interacting with people a little bit more, I, I think sometimes we can think through our life and think through the catalog of all the people we have and we can go, ah, oh, oh, I don't really want to talk about Jesus or interact maybe with that person because they seem really far away from God. And yet, the reality from this story Is that who was it that had the right idea? It was the people who were far away. And God spoke through the night sky, through a supernova, drew these people into a place where they were going to worship Jesus. So far be it from us to discount anybody because of whether they're close or far. Maybe you feel far away from Christ, from God, this holiday season. Christ has come to preach peace to you who are far away. And to you who feel near to him. Through him, we both have access to the Father by one Holy Spirit. So, if God can use a supernova, he can work in your life. Amen. Second thing I think we can learn from the Magi we have what we need to worship God right here. We have the scripture. And in some ways, we have more, we almost have it better than the Magi did. We have the New Testament. We have the record of what Jesus did and walked it out. And we see the plan of salvation and it's all there very clear for us. They just had prophecies and knowing this stuff was going to happen. It's very different. We have the scripture. We have our eyes. We have our ability to observe and see what's going on. And yet, I think we can be so easily distracted by the trials of the moment that we can be asleep at the wheel. And we can miss the opportunity to worship Christ. And I think in some ways. What we can ask for is wisdom. This verse in James. If any of you lacks wisdom. You should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. What a promise. That if we need wisdom. If we need to. Synthesize. How do we take what I have and walk it out in these challenging circumstances? And I know at Christmas time it can be so hard, and family relationships, and all this stuff going on. What should we do? Ask God. He'll give us wisdom. He says it right here. It will be given to us. God will grant you wisdom. So as we close here, and as we as we really head into. The Christmas season, and I, I'm just I'm looking forward to, to each week just being together with all of us and, and worshiping Christ. I'm looking forward to our worship gathering here in a few weeks. who can just be so intensely focused, but I think we need to walk it out every day. See, the story, it, it's not, ultimately, it's not really about the wise men. It's a story about them, but it's not really about them. And it's not even really a story about the star, in the heavens, although it's like interesting to to see that in the prophecies, what it's all about is the person of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And so that's something I hope maybe you just take away from today as you head off here into December, is ask yourself, will you come to worship him? Will you come each day and wake up each day and say, I'm going to worship Christ today in the midst of this holiday season? Let's pray. God, I, I think it's so amazing that here in just a mere 12 verses in one book without any other supporting information, you provide us this very clear picture of how we can walk out wisdom. God, I thank you for this, this story God, and sometimes we scratch our heads and go, man, why, why didn't the Jews just get it and, and raise him up? And why did these guys have to come from far away? And why did they see it? And, and God, it's just how you work. It's just how you work in my life, in our lives. It was on display there. Lord, To just declare to you and worship today that you are the God whose glory is revealed in the heavens. And you have the power to control stars. You have the power to interpret dreams. To guide nations. And you have the power to send your son who was born of a virgin. Lived a sinless life. Died a death as an innocent man in a gruesome and horrific way on a cross. Was buried After three days defeated death. And came back to life. And in doing so offers us the free gift of salvation. Pays the penalty for our sins. If all we have to do. Is say Christ. I receive that free gift. I make you my Lord. And I receive you as my Savior. And Lord for those of us who have. Made that decision. Who have received that gift Lord. As we walk here. Towards. The Christmas holiday and all the things that are going on in the next few weeks. We want to worship you. But even as the title of our series, we saw his star. And we've come to worship you. Help us to walk that out each day, each Sunday, each moment. And God, as we face the challenges, Lord, and I know there are so many as I think through and look out at the faces here and think through the challenges that are going on in each of the lives, Lord, they are many and they are heavy. And yet you tell us, you promise us by your Holy Spirit, if we lack wisdom, you will give it to us if we ask. And so God, we ask you for wisdom to help us here. We love you. We thank you for what you have done. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.